Welcome to the Shine Within Podcast. I'm your host, Gina Kunarian, and I am so grateful that you are here. I'm a wife, mother of three boys, certified massage therapist, and an alcohol-free sobriety coach who helps driven women break through their alcohol dependency without the traditional 12-step program. Each week, I will bring you inspiring guests with focus on mindset, health, and spirituality, providing you the tips and tools to help you create unshakable confidence, clarity, and energy so you can unleash your creative potential and live the life of your dreams alcohol-free. So tune in for some fun, and if you are ready to shine, welcome. Because you're listening today, I want to give you a gift. It is my six-step blueprint to living alcohol-free. This is what I've used, the steps that I've taken (laughs) without AA, so that way I can live a healthy, sober life. Text the word GIFT at 1-855-649-6196. Again, that's GIFT at 1-855-649-6196. In this episode, we delve into a critical yet often overlooked topic in the HR space, the intersection of alcohol and the workplace. I have the honor of inviting Bree Johnson, a seasoned HR professional and advocate for healthier workplace cultures, to share her expert perspective. In today's dialogue, we uncover the complex dynamics of alcohol's role in the corporate environment and Bree's personal journey of navigating social events without drinking. Bree sheds light on a concept which gives employees the freedom to leave uncomfortable situations, highlighting the pivotal role managers and HR can play in setting a comfortable tone for corporate gatherings. But this episode is more than just corporate parties. Bree also takes us on a deep dive into her unique approach known as the Better HR Blueprint. She emphasizes the importance of comprehensive HR systems, regular job description reviews, the evolution of roles alongside employees, and much more. All with the goal of cultivating a healthy, productive work environment where employees feel valued and comfortable. And that's not all. (laughs) As a special treat for our listeners, that's you, Bree shares a valuable gift, a comprehensive guide to utilizing LinkedIn as a powerful communication tool and a platform to showcase experiences and achievements. So whether you're a HR professional, a small business owner, a manager, or simply someone passionate about improving work cultures, this episode is packed with insights that you don't want to miss. So grab your headphones, settle down, and let's get into this enriching conversation with Bree Johnson. Welcome back to the Shine Within podcast. I have a lovely guest here, Bree Johnson. She is the president founder of BCJ Insights LLC, and she is an HR strategist and career coach. With more than 15 years of experience in human resource and corporate communications, Bree works with women ready to be bigger and bolder in their careers to help them recognize their brilliance and showcase their expertise. Through her signature process, combining clarity, strategy, and action, Brie helps clients achieve their career goals. Prior to founding the BCJ Insights, Brie managed a comprehensive HR program for a 30-person company where she oversaw the hiring and onboarding processes, as well as participated directly in screening candidates 
and conducting interviews. Along her MBA and PHR certification, Brie has developed training and programs designed to make communication clearer and more consistent so teams can be more effective and successful together. Thank you so much, Brie, for joining me today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Of course. And I'm excited because ah, I can talk about HR, but I didn't even know what HR is. Can you explain a little bit about what that is? There are a lot of different names going around right now that tend to encompass everything that falls under that human resources umbrella. And you might hear people refer to it as uh, people operations or people in culture. Things are really being brought in to recognize that you are a whole and entire person outside of what you do for your job. And you need to have the resources and the support at your job that allows you also to thrive when you're not at work. And so often HR gets thought of as just like the paperwork, you know, we are the ones who help to get you paid. We love doing that for you. Um, Making sure that you have, if it's something that's available to you, medical benefits, dental benefits, all of those things. Um, We may help out with your 401k. We may help. And one of the things that I get to do that I always loved was helping with professional development. So as someone comes into their role, there may be a lot of things that they're excited to learn that they want to take on. And as you grow with those responsibilities, um, HR can be a great resource to help develop where you want to go as a professional. That's beautiful. And as a professional, I used to be a professional drinker. And unfortunately, (laughs) I always make fun of it now because that's what I, that's what I was. And I needed to drink in order for me to actually work. Mm -hmm. And it was sad, but I mean, I don't feel like I couldn't talk to HR and they can be like, Hey, by the way, I have a alcohol dependency. How can you help me? I would be immediately afraid and feel like, you know what, they're just going to fire me (laughs) because I'm drinking. But what are some, what role does HR play in supporting employees struggling with alcohol and dependency? I think that is such a good question, especially for so many of us who during, you know, the years between 2020 and even up through now, you're working from home. There's all kinds of stress that is just piling on you and you're looking for something to relieve that. And some of us are realizing like, Hey, I'm doing this a lot more often than I probably should be. And one of the things that HR may have, and one of the things that you can look up very easily, depending on your company, is, is there some sort of employee assistance program? And it may go by that acronym, um, EAP. And that gives you, as the employee, access to completely anonymous um, one-off therapy sessions. You can start to have a conversation with someone who is a trained professional in helping you recognize what that issue is and helping you to identify what the next steps are that you should take. So from my experience, the role that HR has is making sure that you have that contact information, that you know, what number do I call? What website do I have to go visit to schedule something? And you are under no obligation to share more than you are comfortable with, with HR. We're there to support you. We're there to help you. And I joked around a lot with my colleagues that we thought I should put up a picture of the Las Vegas Strip in my office because the whole idea of what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. 
what you talk to me about stays with me. And there's so much that comes up that, you know, you may be struggling with, how do I deal with my manager? How do I approach this, you know, particular communication issue? And if it's something like this, that is so very personal, you need to know that you have someone that you can trust and somebody who is going to be on your side to help you get the resources that you need. Yes. I wish I knew that because I think I would have then talked to my HR, but it got to a point where I had to go to rehab. And I think mm-hmm. behind the scenes, because I was so out of it, HR had to deal with that because I they, I was excused from work for a while for like at yeah. least my 30 day programming mm-hmm. or something. And what was nice is that I was able to go back to work um, yeah, afterwards, absolutely. which was great. However, I did relapse. So, but hey, I'm six, almost six years sober now. So things have gotten a lot better. And um, I was going to go ahead and ask as well, mm-hmm. what, because we're talking about remote working and then the different challenges with that, because, you know, during COVID time, people are sad because they're isolated from, you know, mm-hmm. employees, uh, colleagues, you know, just people in general. Uh, were there any like new challenges that remote work has presented for HR in terms of like alcohol consumption? I think that's been part of it. I think there's so much that as the HR team, you just don't know because you're not down the hall. You don't know, you know, how folks are dealing with things in the middle of their day. You know, you may have somebody who is really struggling and they do have those feelings of isolation. So I think more than ever, the HR team is relying on individual managers to help bring them into the conversation when it's appropriate. And one of the most important things, whether you think as a manager, someone on your team has something that you're concerned about or not, you need to know your team. You need to know these people. You need to know, you know, is is Brie having a bad day? I had uh, a fantastic manager at my, my company that I was at previously. And she came into my office one day and I have a towel. Um, if I start off the day like this, you know, my contacts are in, my hair is done. If you see me later that afternoon and my glasses are on and my hair is in a ponytail, something is going on. And she knew me well enough to recognize that she came in, she closed the door and she said, what's going on? What can I help you with? You're having a day. So it's being able to however you can, when you're remote, get to know your team and know when something is off and develop the kind of open dialogue with them. It has to be a two-way conversation. You know, you have to be as a manager comfortable saying like, Hey guys, I'm having a day, right? We're going to, we're going to cut things short because I'm I'm having a moment and show them that you are a human being so that when they're having that same sort of reaction, they can come to you and they can say, I'm struggling with something, whether it's work-related, whether it's personal and be that person who focuses on not the problem itself and not making the person the problem, but here are some things that we can do. Let's, let's figure out a next step. You might feel like it has to be the perfect next step. A next step is what you need to find. Yes, as long as you're finding a step and then taking action on that step, you know, and that's why the managers are, you know, I've I've been like, I've had some, ble- I've been blessed and had some great managers. Yeah. It was very easy to talk. I and mean, this is like when I recovered and then they knew what would, what happened to me, they would just 
pop in once in a while and say, Hey, you know, how are you doing? You know, mm-hmm. is everything good? And this is when I was sober. I'm like, yeah. And, and then they even recognized that even my work uh, behavior is different. I was doing things more efficiently. I was just, I was just transformed. Let's just say that once oh. alcohol left my life, I was completely transformed and this new being, which is amazing. And mm-hmm. now I love just helping people get transformed as well. Um, but how can targeted wellness programs support employees sobriety? Because um, I know we do have different programs at work that are for wellness. We even have like wellness days now where it's like they can use yeah. that as a sick day. <laughs> sort of a sick day because some, some people don't that. even get some people don't even get sick, right? <laughs> so mm-hmm. they just will make it a wellness day. So whatever they have to do, like maybe just sleep. <laughs> That would be considered yeah. a wellness day. Get some rest, especially if you're a mom, you know, like yourself, you're a mom. So mm-hmm. you know how busy it is to handling your business and then handling your kids and, you know, with schoolwork and homework and cooking and clean all that. And so I, I really think that it's good to have those programs. So what are your thoughts on that? I think those programs are amazing. Again, I think it goes back to this idea of HR and benefits, recognizing that you need things when you're not at work. It's not just about, do you have the right pens? You know, do you have all the staplers that you need? Like there are things that you need. And some of those wellness programs do a really great job of recognizing burnout before it happens, recognizing what are some additional tools that we can bring. And maybe we bring, you know, something on site to our office, if you happen to be working all together in the same physical location again, Um, but recognizing that stress and saying, hey, here's a better way. Here's something that maybe you haven't tried, right? Maybe we're going to start incorporating walking meetings. You know, if we're in an office space together, can we take a quick walk around, you know, the grounds of the building or even the parking lot, if that's all you have available? Can you have a quick 10 minute conversation that way to get yourselves moving, get yourselves out of that, you know, kind of desk space that you feel so very attached to during the day. Um, Looking at that. And I think so many companies now are shifting their perspective, exactly like you were saying on time off and what can you use it for? How do you use it? And if you need to take a mental health day to, you know, go run some errands, go treat yourself to a spa day or just sit and relax. We're recognizing so much better than we ever were that rest is productive. Rest is necessary. And there's, there should be some sort of balance between, you know, you're running and going full speed at work. You need to take a break. You can't go full speed, top speed all the time. And you need to have a healthy outlet for when I'm stressed, when I'm overwhelmed, what can I do? I love that. Uh, I love those wellness days. <laughs> it's nice we yeah, we all need them. Now, I know we were talking about this a little while ago uh, about holiday parties at the work <laughs> because there's a lot of alcohol that is being served. How much is too much and when should you stop? <laughs> I struggle so much with the holiday get together as HR. My mind immediately goes to the liability side of it. What if someone does overindulge and they get into a car accident? What if somebody gets hurt because of that? So I'm automatically just uncomfortable (laughs) with most of it. So I will be the first person to say, I might not drink at all 
at the holiday party or because I know myself, I might have one. And I am a big fan of one and done at a work-related function, holiday party, you know, if there's some sort of massive project that you guys have just wrapped up and you're out to celebrate, I love the one and done rule, assuming that that's a rule that works for you as well. Um, but I also think that it's totally fine to not drink at all and to say, hey, I have, you know, three or four colleagues that I'm really close to. And after this, we're going to go out and it'll just be purely social and I might, you know, cut loose a little bit more at something like that. Um, one thing that I think is so easy for people to overlook and where I think people tend to make mistakes is just because you're not in the office doesn't mean you're not at work. And things you say, things you do are going to come back to you. So, you know, if you choose that the holiday party, this is when I'm going to tell you know, Joe from accounting, how amazing I think he is and see if he wants to go on a date. Maybe that's not the right time to do it. You know, maybe there's another way. Um, or, you know, if you're, if you know that you have a tendency to be the life of the party, can you do that with a Sprite in your hand? You know, something like that. Um, I have also been known this was more when I was pregnant and we weren't ready to tell people yet. Um, but most bartenders, if you go up and say, hey, I'm not drinking, I'm not ready for the people I'm with to know that I'm not drinking. Can I have a Sprite with a lime that looks like a vodka tonic? They'll do that for you. Absolutely. If if there is some sort of stigma with the people that you work with that you're nervous about, you can pretend and that's okay. Oh, that is so awesome. I love those ideas, especially when you're going there and say, hey, because people get influenced at these parties. It's like people ask, like, why aren't you drinking? It's like the only drug or substance that people are asking, why aren't we doing? It is. And I, I just think, honestly, like, that's nobody's business. If you are choosing not to, that's fine. Maybe you have a really early morning. Maybe you're on a medication that, you know, you shouldn't be mixing. It's none of my business. Um, I also very much believe that if the party is scheduled to go from, you know, let's say seven to 11, that doesn't mean you have to stay until 11. If you know that for whatever reason, 10 o'clock is when you start to get some sort of an urge, like now it's time to party, maybe you should leave around then. That's okay. Like you don't have to be the last person in the building or at the party, or, you know, wherever it is that you're hosting that event. Yes. And I remember at my previous job, we would have like these huge parties and this ballrooms and mm -hmm. open bar though. It's like, seriously, <laughs> open bar and everyone would just drink so much. And just like, it mm -hmm. was a, probably an embarrassment for most like the next day, because <laughs> I'm sure some of them blacked out because I mean, it's open bar and that's like not safe at all. <laughs> I don't know why they would do open bar or maybe it was just drink tickets. I'm not sure. My company yeah. always did drink tickets. You always got two. So, you know, it was a little bit more controlled. But again, if someone chooses that they want to buy themselves four more after that, that's you're an adult. That's your choice. Just try to make it a good one. Yes. And that's important. We always have a choice and we don't need to be influenced. I love the ideas of you asking for a, 
like a, a Sprite and just throw a lime inside there, you mm-hmm. know, and then, or you leave early. I always say the Cinderella rule, this is not like work related, but I always say like at parties, mm-hmm. you know, because the parties will last until like 2 a.m. or so, like house parties, they get to get, get togethers. And if you don't feel comfortable being there, you're more than welcome to leave. <laughs> Absolutely. And it is, it is one of those things that my, um, the president of my company that I was at before starting my own company, he and I were usually the first people who left things because everyone was watching. Everyone was waiting to see what is the president of the company going to do? What's HR going to do? And it's like, we would be the first probably to open a beer or something like that. But then we'd also be the first to like, put it aside and walk away. Be like, see you guys later. (laughs) Cause no (laughs) one wants to party with HR as much fun as I think I am. No one wants to party with HR. (laughs) <laughs> you remind me because that's exactly who we were looking at at our events we were looking at the <laughs> manager <laughs> and then we're looking at the HR director Absolutely, <laughs> it was so funny but yeah yeah um what's nice now is that when I do go to these events I have so much so much fun without drinking and people are thinking I have been drinking but I haven't <laughs> Because I'm just so happy and I just love life so much more <laughs> but I want to shift it oh go ahead No, I think that's a great point. Like so many people feel like you have to do that to have fun at these things. And you really don't. Yeah. The last party before COVID we had is, um, oh, so sad. The last party before COVID (laughs) we had, um, literally, I think it was like a a week before we shut down or so. Um, my, my husband and I, we were just dancing and having so much fun and everyone else was drinking. Oh, you want to drink? Like, no, no, I'm drinking my, like, I think it was like a Diet Coke or something like that, but it was so much fun. Um, but I was going to say, I want to pivot towards you and ask like, what about your company? What you do? What are you all about, Brie? One of the things that I think is so, so very important is looking at the people that work for you, building your team and supporting the people by putting together a really robust, a really comprehensive HR system. And as small business owners, you know, we tend to think, oh, I don't need that yet. I'll wait until I have, you know, 10 team members and it's fine. I don't need a job description template or an employee handbook or, you know, these certain policies. I'll, we'll write them as we need them. In general, if you wait until you need it, it's too late and something has gone wrong and that's why you need it. I love the idea of taking some of those HR documents and not making it something that you write and put together and then you put it on a shelf. And it's like, okay, we have it, check, we're done. We don't have to look at it ever again. I love bringing that into how you communicate with your team, how you plan for things. You know, I've had um, some clients that I've worked with developing job descriptions for people on their team. And it's like, okay, you need to review this at least once a year. This needs to be something that you talk about. Maybe instead of, because you're small, so you know what's going on. So you might not need a really detailed, like annual review for everybody. So can you take that time and build in like an annual strategy session for the people that are on your team? What went really well for you this year? What do you want to work on? Where is there room to grow? What are you excited about learning? And are those things reflected in the job description? Can they be, you know, how do you take that particular document and let it evolve with someone? Now that's much easier to do in a small company like mine, as opposed to the company my husband works for that has, you know, international locations. The job description is pretty set in stone. 
But if you have the ability to do that, I think that's really important because I regularly see, you know, the kind of quote that comes back to, oh, your people are your most valuable resource. And I don't think humans are resources, but I do think humans need resources. And I think it's about combining the right people in the right role with the right tools. And if you make your HR related decisions with that in mind, and if you put the people first, you serve your employees better and then they serve your customers better and everybody winds up happy and everybody wins at the end. Yeah, I was just going to say it's a win-win for everybody because mm-hmm. that is true because I, I'm thinking back about like elementary school. When I had a third grade teacher, let's just say she was like a manager. <laughs> In the classroom, she is. Absolutely. She, is. she was so mean and I just lost like all confidence in myself and I felt like I was worthless. Then goes then fourth grade teacher, wonderful, supportive, loving, mm-hmm. you know, I, she's still on my Facebook. She's, she's actually on my Facebook right now. Still her name is Mrs. Singer. Yes. Mrs. Singer at Maloney elementary school in Fremont. If you're hearing this, you are my favorite teacher. You made a big difference, Love that. <laughs> but she boosted my confidence. She was there with us like one-on-one and like, she helped me tremendously. And since then I was always on honor roll uh, up until like, like my senior year, I was kind of goofing off after <laughs> during that time and after but it does make a difference when you have the right manager and then they're right there for you and you don't feel like you're being micromanaged all the time but then they're just supporting you and leading you the proper way I love that yeah and it it always comes back to for me um, I had a mentor who taught me this early on in my HR career that it's all about these these three c's and it's communication consistency and common sense and if you are approaching dealing with the people that you work with, with the idea that, okay, whatever problem we're facing, we can fix it by focusing on one of those three areas. You're going to be able to make the right decision 99% of the time. Yes. And then I think the employees will be more comfortable sharing things. And then they'll like, example, for example, if they did have a dependency problem, then they'll be more comfortable saying, Hey, by the way. And I think that that open communication establishes like trust. And then that trust is just everything is like you said, it's just a win-win overall. Now Mm -hmm. you go, you have a process in specific. What is your process called? Um, With HR, I have uh, what I call the better HR blueprint. Ah. And that is a way to just kind of go through. And in my experience working with a small company, I think I was really lucky because I got to be involved with the entire relationship that we would have with every employee. So from doing the initial like phone interviews, getting someone hired, bringing them on and onboarding them, working with them as they developed and grew with us professionally. And then on those instances where someone left the company, being part of that offboarding process as well. So this Better HR Blueprint looks at that entire relationship to say, okay, we'll pick one area at a time based on, you know, what is it that you need support with and that you need help with? And let's make it fantastic so that it can grow as your business grows, as your company grows, as your team grows, and it can meet all of those needs. And I always wondered why there was always an exit interview. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's always an exit. I'm like, well, if 
why do they want to know why we're leaving? <laughs> I guess, it, can you clarify that? Because I was always confused about that. So I love an exit interview. And I know a lot of HR people will be like, really? Why? And it gives you a chance to make improvements that otherwise you wouldn't know about. You know, was there some sort of communication issue that needs to be addressed? Was there a training issue that, you know, the person is leaving because they never got the support they needed on the software, the processes, you know, whatever it might be, where can you make those improvements? And that was always a question that I asked in every exit interview I ever conducted um, was what should we do to help the person who steps into this role after you be even more successful than you were? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like giving feedback. Like, Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Like, why why are you leaving? Well, because I didn't have a good match because they didn't support me in this, 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 this area, things like that. And that way you're like, then like, okay, let's see how we can modify this to help this manager improve their management skills <laughs> so that way all the employees are happy yeah okay I had a I had a client who came to me about a year ago who had lost a couple people right in a row and they were really uncomfortable they were like we don't know what we're doing but they've all said that it's monetary like it's they're not getting paid enough so we did a salary survey and we found several other roles in addition to the ones that had just been you know opened um, that they really were. They were just not paying what a reasonable market rate is. But if they hadn't gotten that feedback, they wouldn't know. They wouldn't have been able to make that adjustment to to keep the best people around. Yeah. So nobody should be afraid to go to HR. <laughs> should be like more comfortable and confident. Like, you know what? I'm going to get help here. <laughs> no. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, you also have a gift for our audience too. I do. So a lot of times when you think about what it is that you want to do and where you want to go, you might look around and say, okay, I'm really excited to take on some new challenges. I'm ready, like as the employee, and you might not know where to start. And so many people will say, oh, well, let's, let's look at your resume. Here's what it needs to look like. Here's where it needs to go. I think you need to start networking right away. And even if you're not looking for like a brand new job or a promotion, it's really good to build your network so that you have people that you can approach in that kind of mentor capacity. Not every company is big enough that they can have a formal mentorship program as much as we all would want to do that. You know, that's just not always in the cards. So I have what I would love to share is a list and a set of instructions and a guideline for how to really build up your LinkedIn profile so that not only does it have information that you want to share, you know, because it's it's more than just a professional alibi showing where you were and what you did when, but really using it as a communication tool. And how do you get to know people? How do you encourage conversations about experiences that you've had and how those experiences prepare you, energize you, excite you for what it is that's coming next. Thank you so much for that. And I was just thinking about something that my husband, about LinkedIn. So I'm not, I'm not really on LinkedIn because I just was more like a Facebook and uh, Instagram person, but my husband loves LinkedIn. That's all he uses. He does not use anything else. And so I said, so why do you like LinkedIn so much? He's like, 
well it's like a he's almost like a uh an instagram but professional i'm like excuse me (laughs) entrepreneur professional But it's yeah. so funny because he puts all of his accolades on there and all of like everything that he's done. And I even heard it's like a tool for dating now. Like there was an article that I read on there. So LinkedIn is like actually a big thing. <laughs> I've not used it for that. And I haven't, you know, thank goodness, not been approached in that fashion just yet. But, you know, it's it's a really great way to utilize some of the tools that they have to highlight your expertise and you know, you can start basically your own blog on LinkedIn. You can have a newsletter on LinkedIn and publish articles so that, you know, if you're doing something that you're really excited about, but it's not for work, it's for like an organization that you volunteer with, you can highlight everything all together. And it's just a really fun way to promote yourself, but not in like a, a slimy salesy car salesman kind of a way in just a, Hey, I'm doing some cool stuff. I would love to share it with you. Okay. I'm going to have to use that then. (laughs) Maybe I'll have to say goodbye to my, no, I can't get rid of Instagram. I have to say goodbye to something. (laughs) No, I can't get rid of my face. Okay. You know what? I'm just going to have to make more time so I can spend time on my LinkedIn profile so I can start (laughs) promoting things that I'm doing and fun stuff. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience or where they can find you? Um, I would love, obviously I'm on LinkedIn. Um, would love to connect with people there. I'm also on Instagram a lot. So that's another great way to, to connect. And I post all kinds of HR and, you know, career professional development tips on both of those places. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brie. It was so nice seeing you. Good to see you too. Take care. I want to give a shout out to Feedspot. They recognized my show as being on the 50 Best Women's Sobriety Podcasts. I am super excited about that, and I couldn't have done it without you. I also want to introduce my new mini course. It is called Overcoming Challenges. So if you're having difficulty in everyday life with things happening that are unexpected, or you're like, how do I handle this? I have the tool. (laughs) I will leave those links in the show notes. And if you are wanting to be part of my newsletter, make sure you text the word SHINE, that's S-H-I-N-E at 1-855-649-6196. Again, that's 1-855-649-6196. Please make sure you leave a five-star review if this podcast is for you. Love you.